Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. I'm Adam Gobeski, and uh, we got a lot of people here. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Why don't we just start off I'll with our two, our two regulars? <laughs> yeah, so we have our two standard correspondents, Doug Gobeski. That's me. And Paulina Wilcoxia. It's great to be here, Ia. Yeah, so we have an occasional Merry Marvel Movie March guest, Tony Huff, back with us again. Uh, ready to rock. And on, <laughs> and on my end over here, we have first time guest. Uh, actually, going to have to remind me how to pronounce your last name. And Give the, it a shot. Okay, I'll do it. Federline. <laughs> Kevin Federline. <laughs> Kevin Vredevog. 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 Kevin right. Vredevog. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> Someone I've worked with for years, <laughs> whose last name I don't know how to pronounce. Um, and with us on the line, we've got Brandon Griffiths as well. Hello. Live from Milwaukee with uh, Doug Gobesi, we've got Wes Richardson. That's me. Uh, am I forgetting anyone? Is that all 30 of us? <laughs> I, believe, I believe that's everyone. <laughs> I, uh, I suspect that part of the reason we have so many people... We are on our 26th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. We are now in May 2008 with the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man. Apparently everyone uh, wants to do Iron Man. Nobody wanted to do Fantastic Four or two, but... <laughs> it's a lot easier to find that Blu-ray. That <laughs> was a lot cheaper, too. But uh, Iron Man is the story of one Dennis Iron man who is the all right, first hold on, hold on. <laughs> so are, are all the people in your synopses they're all related they're la- all their last name is man every single one of them <laughs> no it's actually just a weird coincidence <laughs> oh okay it's a very common last it's a very common german last name right <laughs> dennis, yeah dennis iron iron man, man. <laughs> dennis iron man yes iron it's like kind of like l ron hubbard <laughs> <laughs> but he's first in line to inherit the throne of the Iron Mansion. And but before, <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie before. Yeah, we I think just this is why it. people complain about how all the superhero movies are the same. Because <laughs> I just listened to Adam uh, do synopses of them. <laughs> in order to claim the throne, he has to defeat a ghostly Jeff Bridges in a haunted arc reactor. And then it gets really weird. It does after that. A lot of sexual tension between Jeff Bridges and Iron Man. Now, yeah. it's kind of like the movie Ghost, but with Jeff Bridges <laughs> and mech suits. But still, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So this is the first one with Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. There, everyone's set. Great. Okay. So Iron Man as a Marvel Comics potential movie had been in the air i guess since 1990 uh and it's basically just sort of bounced around from studio to studio like at one point like universal was interested at one point i think fox was interested and then said something to the effect of well you can't make a movie about every comic character so they gave the rights to like new line cinema and then they said well we don't know what to do with this The important thing regarding the eventual creation of Iron Man is that this is the first movie created by Marvel's filmmaking company, Marvel Studios. Prior to this, they had always, you know, essentially farmed out their properties to other 
uh, production companies, other studios. And then they basically got a big loan from, I think, like Merrill Lynch in 2005, six, something like that. And so this was the first movie that they decided to make because this is the highest profile character that they still had the rights to. That's the short version. I think the question we should ask is, had you seen this movie before? Let's start with Tony, since he's so eager to talk about it. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) You? Tony doesn't like background. (laughs) He likes to go blind. Sorry, I was uh, doing important things on my phone. (laughs) Paul, can you do me a favor? (laughs) Sure. Can you slap that phone out of his hands? I want to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> Paul's gonna be a foley artist. Yeah, we're really. I'll go get some bologna from the fridge. <laughs> you can do anything with bologna. It's true. Although I think you have some olive loaf in there. I had never seen the movie before, so. Um, but I, I, I like uh, Robert Downey Jr. So I was excited to to watch it when Paul invited me. I had seen it once before, but not till much, much later after hearing lots about it. I think I watched it on DVD like three years ago or something, and I enjoyed it. Uh, yes, I first saw it in theaters and, you know, had it on DVD, then Blu-ray. I'm a big comic book fan, so I had heard, I think, from my brother-in-law, Dan, that he really enjoyed it and that I should see it. And yes, I I did really enjoy it when I saw it. But it was very solid, especially considering, like, as you guys mentioned, what Marvel movies especially had come before it that were not very promising. <laughs> kind of instilled a little bit of faith. Uh, well, I saw it in theaters way back when. And I think I've seen it several times since then. It's it's a good movie. <laughs> it's good, folks. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw it uh, in theaters, and I think that was the only time that I'd seen it, the only other time that I've seen it. I saw it for the first time opening night, 2008. Me and my friends back in high school and college would go to whatever Marvel movie was premiering after finals pretty much every year. I had, I wouldn't say rock bottom expectations, but I wasn't impressed with the trailers, and the previous two years had been Spider-Man 3 and X-Men The Last Stand neither of which were i would say phenomenal so <laughs> i was blown away i mean from us. <laughs> I, I i did not expect a lot uh robert downey jr i i didn't really follow his career before that and the most recent thing before iron man i was aware he had done was the shaggy dog with tim allen as a <laughs> lawyer slash dog so again pleasantly surprised i thought it was pretty excellent at the time and for me this is where i just start to lose track a little bit of what when i've seen what movies because for the most part i don't see any of them with adam anymore all those movie going experiences i remember but uh this one i think it was just on dvd i think netflix through mail but i was excited this time because i've been looking in the little libraries near my house and there's one that's like a media library and i was actually able to find this one there like three months ago so i stole it and i've been holding it in my house and then I can return it <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. I also have yeah. Iron Man 3, but not Iron Man 2. <laughs> well, good news, Iron Man 2 is on Hulu. Oh, so if we all get right. Through these, if we get through the next few movies fast enough, it'll still be there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have anything planned this weekend, did you? <laughs> um, 
I've I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I saw it when it came out in theaters. I saw it when I got the DVD. Want to say I watched it when I got a used copy of the Blu-ray, and then I watched it again when I was doing like a little watch rewatch all the movies before Civil War maybe or something came out. And then I watched it again today. Like I think this may actually be the Marvel movie I've seen the most. No, oh. hmm. out of all oh, the, wow. all the Marvel films. Because I saw it with Mike Sussner at one point. Because we went to go see W in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) So let me guess. He he wanted to go see W. (laughs) Fair enough. So we we get to the theater. It's probably about 9.30. And there was an 8.45 showing and then like an 11.15 showing. At which point we sort of said, let's just go home and watch Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) i like it but to talk a little bit about like what kevin was saying um yeah like you know the last couple years really you know we sort of liked the the original fantastic four the 2005 fantastic four but not everyone did right and there's not really any out and out marvel classics since like spider-man 2 in 2004 I definitely remember that like at one point, like they were like, oh, they're making an Iron Man movie. And the general reaction was like, oh, yay. Like for me, it was kind of like the equivalent of like, oh, they're making a Ghost Rider movie. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And and then you gave the Ghost Rider a four. You hated it. (laughs) Well, no, I liked the casting. Oh, I see. (laughs) Whoa, Uh, that's a real outlier. I just realized I forgot about that. I I really hated that film. <laughs> Worse than Howard the Duck. Yeah, I actually Howard the Duck in my heart has like it's a ten now. Like <laughs> I, I look back on it fondly. But I remember about it was really only like maybe two or three weeks before it opened. There was suddenly this sort of buzz on the internet of like, oh hey, the Iron Man movie is actually supposed to be really good. Oh. And so it was like, oh wait really iron man all right and so was actually had like slightly more elevated expectations than i otherwise would have had although i always try to keep them sort of tamped down so i'm not disappointed but i was definitely uh happy with the end result so you mentioned that iron man was the most exciting property that they had to make a movie out of so i don't know tons about the comics was iron man a very popular marvel character is he really like a huge part of the canon he is in comic book in the marvel comic world like he's one of the avengers people who read marvel comics you know kind of know who tony stark and iron man are i'm not sure in the wider culture how well known he was because you know obviously people knew spider-man and the x-men because of things like the cartoons and stuff and hulk because of the tv series in the uh, 70s and 80s whenever that was iron man didn't really have anything equivalent he had like a short-lived cartoon in the mid 90s and a couple like animated movies prior to this that was sort of marvel sort of trying to plow the ground so to speak so that people would be like oh iron man he's not a robot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i read you know various like 80s and 90s comics and I definitely got the impression that he was, uh, for for a long time, he was something of a second stringer. And I feel like it wasn't until the Civil War comics that they really made him, 
I mean, obviously he was one of the founding Avengers, but eh, so was Ant-Man. So it wasn't until Civil War that I feel they brought him really to the forefront of the actual comics. Yeah, it seems like from what I've heard, like I I've never followed Iron Man before the movies came out, but it seems like I always heard that they were always like changing up his character and like how they wanted Tony Stark to be and, you know, all of that stuff. So it, like they obviously had an issue with his popularity. Otherwise, that kind of thing wouldn't be happening. But other than that, can't really say for sure. Seems like he was only popular within the comics for those kinds of reasons. I distinctly remember back when, uh, whenever Ken Jennings was popular on Jeopardy, there was an Iron Man question and it was like the $2,000 Jeopardy question. No one even knew who Tony Stark was, much less, <laughs> you know, you know, had him be a household name as he is now. Uh, does this feel like a good launch for the MCU then? Okay, but here's the thing about that question, is that we think about this movie now as launching the MCU, but that's not really how they treated it. Oh, And okay. while that's sort of how they talk about it now, that was never really, as far as I can tell, the actual intention at the time. Okay, so there's a little bit of groundwork, and we can see that in the movie, but it wasn't at all like, oh, let's really go for this. Well, I mean, they did have the after the credit sequence where they initiate, you know, the Avengers initiative was brought up. They clearly had some faint idea of what they were going for, at least in the phase one movies. Yeah. Although, except I believe it's either Kevin Feige or maybe John Favreau said something to the effect of that. They threw in that scene just as a like, you know, a little gift for the fans. Oh. Like that's the reason it's after the credits was they didn't really expect audiences to sit and wait for it like except <laughs> yeah, unless you were the diehard fan watching all the credits like oh i need to know who did the who dyed the costumes right like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like every terrible movie that like sets itself up for a sequel at the end like it's not really hurting anything at all if it doesn't pan out yeah like those eggs at the end of godzilla 94 Right. <laughs> totally disappointing. Those well-known eggs at the end of Godzilla 94. <laughs> whoa, whoa. That was that was 98, all right? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, um, actually. Yeah. Matthew Broderick? True, true, yeah. Well, it's hard to remember that film because... Because Matthew Broderick is ageless? Yes, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of it, but I was going to say, because most of us have tried to suppress it from our memories. Oh, no. <laughs> Took retcon to get rid of it, yeah. Um, but here's here's the thing, right? Marvel Studios signed Samuel L. Jackson to a nine-picture deal. They didn't do that until 2009. Oh. So this was, oh, not, all right. this was not something they, and like, from the outset, they were like, we're going to have this epic plan. We're going to bring these sort of people together. I think it was more so along the lines of, hey, if this works out, maybe we can throw in Tony Stark in the upcoming Hulk movie and, you know, just kind of tie them together so that people are like, oh, they're in the same universe. And then I think after that point, they were like, oh, people responded really well to this. Maybe we can do more. I think that makes sense. I buy that. I would also like to point out that if you stick around for the credits, you also get to see that Tom Morello was one of the guards at a prison. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently he contributed some of the guitar riffs or something on the score, and so that's Partly why he's in the he's oh. in the that's what I heard. Tom Rello of Rage Against the Machine and uh is it Audio Slave? Is that it? Yeah. And yeah. uh Street Sweeper Social Club if you're uh <laughs> really into that. the thing that struck me at the beginning was that I didn't remember how much of it took place in Afghanistan. There's a good 
I think, 20-minute sequence there of him, like, his origin story. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite it's quite a bit. Not in a bad way. I didn't find it boring at any point, but I was a little surprised at, like, how much of the beginning of the film it took up. It it made me scared, actually. I was I didn't think he was going to make it, and Paul said, yeah, it's just a 40-minute movie. <laughs> he still he, wasn't there as long as the u.s military though yeah yeah and then paul said oh, oh once he started building the suit he's like oh yeah i forgot there's an extra 10 minutes of him building the suit before he gets killed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I, I i thought that at the beginning I was like this is a this is a lot of like setup for i but i i didn't mind it it was entertaining you know um, but maybe we should talk a little bit about just like comparing and contrasting this movie with some of the previous movies that we've seen um, in terms of like the Marvel movies, because my memory at the time and certainly now and going through all the Marvel movies in order is that this in many ways feels like a breath of fresh air just in the way it's the way it's presented. Like there's a certain energy and um, intent about it that feels like hasn't been present for a little while in these movies. It, it didn't take itself seriously. I feel like there was a lot of improv as part of the movie, and that really came across in just the way the actors were interacting with one another. It it was, I agree with that, a breath of fresh air. There definitely was a lot of improv. Um, I read that the moment where Tony Stark has everyone at the press conference sit down, he they sort of worked that out ahead of time, like that wasn't in the script. Um, apparently the moment where he declares that he is in fact Iron Man wasn't actually in the script. No. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. So yeah, it was something like uh, Jeff Bridges said something to the effect of that on some levels, the producer's nightmare because they just, the cast spent time like on set, like working through dialogues, like trading lines back and forth to figure out who should say what and what they could actually do in the scene. <laughs> for for what was kind of a last desperate attempt from Marvel to like stave off bankruptcy, it seems like they kind of made this movie as they went along. It's it's impressive it turned out as well as it did. Absolutely. Holy crap. I didn't realize that. Like y- you would think that that would Do you know how long they were shooting? I mean, uh, you would just think that would require a lot of like reshooting scenes and like trying to see what worked on camera. Um Apparently only took about three or four months. Oh, wow. John Favreau has a quote that says, I'm shocked that I was on schedule. I thought there were going to be many curveballs. <laughs> Is it true that Marvel was on the verge of bankruptcy at this point? I mean, they're on the verge That's... of bankruptcy so many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that why they like originally sold all of the... It's the why Iron Man was like, the best so they had. Studios. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's certainly true, right? But, I mean... As I said, this is the first movie that they made as an independent studio and then got Paramount to distribute it for them. So I'm going to assume that they weren't on the verge of bankruptcy if they had enough money to form a production company. Uh, Sorry, the Internet has answered my questions. Uh, What I was thinking of was that the loan they got from Merrill Lynch, what they put up as collateral was basically the film rights to every character they had left. So had this not paid off, they would not have been able to make a Captain America, Avengers, Ant-Man, Black Panther, Doctor Strange. I mean, Hawkeye's on this list, but obviously they were kind of at the bottom of the barrel (laughs) at that point. Like, like, it was was a big risk, obviously, yeah. Uh, If it didn't go well, would would Merrill Lynch have made... uh, 
Wall Street the, Man. Uh, the Merrill Lynch movie. cinematic universe we'd all be talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> the Wall Street Man. No, no, no. I, you'll, you'll have to pardon my friend here. He's not a huge comic book nerd like us. But I would like to suggest that Merrill Lynch's first movie would have been The Corrupter. <laughs> Adam's that's, contemplating it. It's a, it's a deep cut, but I can see it. <laughs> uh, my, it's more my picturing two... like The Incredible Hulk, brought to you by Merrill Lynch. And he's there to sell you subprime loans. <laughs> <laughs> my thought is it's it's got the right tone, and it's also got the right number of characters paired with the tone, so it's not like... You know, like X-Men was good, but there were a lot of characters. And like when Iron Man came along, it kind of went back to basics. And then you've got this this protagonist that's kind of got this snarky, sarcastic personality. And he's joking with people all the time. And like most of the other superheroes were like dead serious all the time. Or just, I don't know, the, their movies were really all over the place tone wise that were just like, you know, like Spider-Man three, obviously was a nightmare from that Mm -hmm. standpoint. Well, I think like for me, so like I look at it through the lens of like a casual moviegoer or someone who maybe isn't very familiar with like, you know, comic books or like superheroes and stuff for, for me, like uh, someone had said the movie doesn't take itself like too seriously and I think that's what I enjoyed the most is that it puts a lot of like comedy into it and just kind of like makes it a little more accessible for someone who is just looking to have two hours of entertainment. You know what I mean? Like you don't really need to know a whole lot of backstory about Iron Man going into it to actually enjoy the film. So like for me, I, I thought it was better because like I know that I've watched some movies with you guys and I'm like constantly asking paul why is this this and he's like well it's because there was you know like he, he has to go through a whole story to kind of like oh okay i guess that makes sense so that that's kind of how i look at it and it, i think it's kind of interesting when you think about like yeah this was like the a lighter in tone more humorous marvel movie but you compare it to uh, some of the marvel movies of like the last couple of years it's it's positively playing it straight i, I guess like when it jokes though it actually does a good job of it you know it's not like trying to be funny for funny's sake and sucking at it there's none of the full stop moments right yeah (laughs) no record scratch style uh, (laughs) exactly humor yeah it's all it's all casual and like yeah it flows well and robert downey jr just has that authentic like delivery so it doesn't seem like anything's forced or like it's just the pun where you're just like oh my god stop <laughs> thought that first scene in the humvee with the soldiers was actually pretty good simply because they were all super nervous around him and then he gives them permission to laugh and it kind of feels like the movie's doing that with the audience too is like no really don't take this too seriously like we're gonna have fun this whole time it is striking like one of the things that, for me, sort of characterizes Marvel Comics to a greater or lesser degree, depending on who's writing. But they do have those sort of moments of, like, quips and lighter moments and their more serious storylines. But if you actually, like, look at the Marvel movies that we've had up to that point, they've all, for the most part, been very straight-laced. Like, to the point where, like, the little dialogue between Cyclops and Wolverine and the original X-Men of prove you who you are you're a dick right 
right? Like that is like a standout. And even something like Spider-Man, where Spider-Man's, you know, the comic Spider-Man sort of known for quipping at villains as he like fights them. Right. And like, that's not really present in the Sam Raimi films regarding, regarding the question of how does this compare to the previous stuff? Um, I remember at the time this movie came out, I was very pleased by how well they did the origin story. You know, I know that I mentioned, yeah, he was kind of a second stringer in my opinion, but I had in fact read some of the old comics cause uh, Adam had, it was like a Marvel masterworks collection or something of the first Iron Man comics and like the early Avengers stuff. So I was already familiar with the suit that he he's wearing in this movie, looking exactly like the suit from the comics. I actually think that's an interesting, it's interesting to contrast the approach to the, uh, the source material of this movie with the previous movie in the March, which is fantastic Four: rise of the silver surfer in that this movie feels like it, actually is interested in the storylines of the characters it's not just sort of like surface level you know give me the three line uh you know description of who this character is and now go write a storyline based on it like this movie feels like oh well let's actually like show some of these moments from the comics and you know develop some of these storylines whereas fantastic four rise of silver surfer goes to the trouble of introducing the Galactus storyline, and then basically does nothing with it. Okay, so with the Fantastic Four movie, wasn't the plan to have, like, a Silver Surfer spinoff, continue that story? Presumably there would have been a Fantastic Four 3 if literally anyone had cared enough to watch 2. I may be misremembering, it's been a while, but... Yeah, I believe, I I think you're on, you're right there. But there's certainly, like, a... Uh, a fidelity to the original material that shines through this. And I think part of that is probably actually the fact that Kevin Feige is now in a position where he actually has power over these movies instead of just sort of executive producing them. And he's a big fan of comic books. So you actually have someone who cares about comic books in charge now. It's a quaint idea. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. You're, You're telling me people in Hollywood 10 years ago weren't all about comic books? I know it seems surprising, but well, that is in fact the case. <laughs> it's hard to imagine a world like that, like 2008. Yeah, so full of hope. <laughs> <laughs> Especially May 2008. Yeah. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like peak hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, one way I knew that this movie was pretty old is that Tony Stark talks about the photo not showing up on his MySpace page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, was that because fate was Facebook still college only in two in like no, 2008? No. No, no, I I had Facebook in 2008. Yeah, it was it was like brand new. It was not necessarily yeah. like everybody's grandparents were on there, but yeah. Facebook was I, definitely a thing. I I remember my mom was like upset that I had Facebook, and so I had to do it like. Like, and I was a senior in high school. I don't know why, but like, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get Facebook. All my friends have it. <laughs> we get it. You're a badass. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to put all these pictures on there. And I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and then I just remember being really upset every two months when Facebook would change. Like, there, <laughs> they did a lot of that. So anyway, yeah. No, me and Paul laughed when they said MySpace. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. 
I thought it was like a joke, like a, at first, like a joke. <laughs> it was like just a real good punchline, and I was like, "Oh no, let me think about they're serious." Was, yeah. yeah, I think the uh, flip phone FaceTime esque app that he was using too was supposed to be very futuristic Futuri- too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was cool phone. What it was. It was like a T kind of. Yeah, it like flipped open. It was like an LG chocolate, but if it, the whole thing could rotate. Yeah, which I think I probably had a chocolate in two thousand eight. <laughs> Not like that. No, no, it was just just a one way slider. Did you just have a, a some pictures of uh, Jeff Bridges without his shirt on? <laughs> I mean, I usually tell them to load that up in the store. Can <laughs> <laughs> well, you preload leaving. this for me, please? <laughs> was that when I'm bringing a printed out picture of Jeff Bridges shirtless? <laughs> and I'm like, how do you put this on there? <laughs> <laughs> was that when I was calling Jeff Bridges daddy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's calling his daddy right now. <laughs> Can we talk about one of my uh, secret shames? Sure. It always takes me a minute to remember which one is Jeff Bridges and which one is Kurt Russell. Like people talk what? about the Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton thing, and I have no trouble separating them. But Jeff Bridges and Kurt Russell, I'm like, wait, which oh, one is weird. which? I don't even think of those two as existing in the same world at all. Like, I don't know. They, they don't. I don't know. I guess I mean, older Jeff Bridges. Like now, I, I just think of Jeff Bridges as he is now and how he looks in this movie, and he doesn't even resemble him. But I guess he did decades. Oh, even ago. even like eighties Jeff Bridges, Kurt Russell. Like I'm like, okay, which one's in Tron and which one's in Escape from New York? Is it, is it the eyes? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it could be the eyes. I mean, the hair. Kind of hair. There, there's, yeah. there's a mullet situation going on there for sure. <laughs> it could be that. Now I want to see, see Waterworld reshot with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> I think that would be a good movie. What about Kurt Russell? Is Kurt Russell in Waterworld? No. Wait, who was no. Kevin, Cos- Kevin Costner? Yeah. <laughs> oh, see? Oh, a third God. contender emerges. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that. Paul See, we just discovered Kevin a Costner one. and Kurt It's the Kurt Russell effect. <laughs> See, the one that I can't seem to figure out is Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle. Yeah. Hey, hey, you're jumping ahead. I, I, thought jumping they, ahead. I thought they were the same person. I thought he just changed his name. Because I, like Ike Perlmutter, can't tell the difference between them. <laughs> God. <laughs> wait, who, wait, who's Ike Perlmutter? President of Marvel. <laughs> oh. He allegedly said that that's why they could recast Terrence Howard as Don Cheadle because no one would tell the difference anyway. You, you mean recast Don Cheadle as Jim Rhodes? Yeah. However you want yeah, to express, yeah, yeah. express that horrible thought, yes. <laughs> he didn't really say that, did he? I don't know that it's confirmed, but o- allegedly he did. Did anyone tell him he's canceled yet? <laughs> uh, Now's the time. They're like, War Machine makes his big entrance in the 25th movie. That's when you're coming back, Terrence Howard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrence Howard looks over at, at the uh, old Iron Man suit, and he's like, next time. <laughs> we're just like, oh, nope. we're so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Why did the recasting happen? I mean, it wasn't 
purely because who can tell the difference, Partly, I assume. it was for money. Yeah, he, he got paid like an obscenely higher salary than Robert Downey Jr. for this movie. I guess that yeah. makes sense at the time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so he wouldn't back down, apparently, and then, yeah. I don't happened. know if it's that he wouldn't back down or like they basically did like no negotiation with him and just said, fine, see ya. Huh. Because <laughs> I remember Terrence Howard being sort of pissed off about the way it had gone down. Sure. Well, do you think we've dived enough into Robert Downey Jr. and how no, we-, we need to be deeper into Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Spot on. Like, I can't yeah. imagine anybody else walking that fine line of charm and sleaze that defines the character. I mean, that's pretty much Robert Downey Jr., right? Charm and sleaze. It was perfect. But I think that's partly why they cast him, right? I think John Favreau said something to the effect of that because Robert Downey Jr. had basically been in that position that Tony Stark is in the movie, that that's why he would be perfect to play the role. And that's why he, like, like he stood up to Marvel when they were like, oh, like, no, we can't have him. Robert Downey Jr. engaged in extrajudicial killings? <laughs> or not that part of the rule. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was kind of funny, like you talk about the like sleaze and charm and you know him being funny. I, there were several times where I looked over at Paul, I was like, I don't really like this character as he's like speeding in his Audi like to get wherever. Like like this guy's kind of a douche. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that car was awesome. Oh, it was way awesome. A lot of Audis, uh, apparently, in that city. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Chevys Audis and Burger King? Bad guys. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Chevys for bad guys is what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Rody driving a Ram? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So just a lot of promotion going. Well, there was Chevys in Afghanistan, which was kind of funny. That yeah. was the car that Jeff Bridges rolled in on. Yeah. Well, well, you don't want them to drive a Toyota. Toyotas are what the terrorists drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, no we foreign. <laughs> but yeah, we we realize there's a lot of product placement in this movie as well. Well, I guess if uh, your entire company hinges on its success, you need to make the money wherever you can. That's true. Sure. That's true. Well, oh, I also pointed this out. Start an alcoholic. Yeah. His. The drinks per minute were very high towards the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right, like, here's this new weapon. And he's like, all right, drink, everybody. Like, what the <laughs> and also, the plane scene was really weird with those, like, ladies just like, or the stewards just like dancing. And I'm like, what is this guy? <laughs> like, really establishing the sleaze. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the point, right? Oh, yeah. But just looking at it through the 2018-19 lens was just very weird. <laughs> Even when Stanley created the character, he I think he intentionally picked the most unlikable person he could think of, an arms dealer, and wanted to flip that around and make it into someone you could root for. So I thought, I thought they did a solid job of that without mm-hmm. completely alienating the viewer by making Tony Stark super hateable. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, you're cheering for him, right? I guess I didn't realize that Jeff Bridges' character was completely evil. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> twist. <laughs> was he, though? Was he really? 
Wait, you think he end, was the hero of the story? His only crime that... was capitalism and murder. <laughs> yeah, but Tony Stark murdered people too. Okay, well, so late capitalism. <laughs> Folks who have actually been watching all the Marvel movies up until this point, was there as much straight up just like killing people in the previous movies as there was in this? Because I feel well, like we started out with straight up killing people in the Captain America serial. I remember <laughs> in 1944, where Captain America guns people down like two or three a week in the back. Yeah, you're a henchman. Just, just brandishing a sneaker. sniper rifle at people and nice. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and to those who aren't familiar with it, not only was he Captain America, he was also the DA. <laughs> and, and, and swift justice. And yet somehow yeah. more killing in that than in the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry, we're not getting off topic. About the Punisher. <laughs> um but to answer the question semi seriously, um there's some killing. There might be a movie or two that's about on the level of this. And this this movie, right, on some level is just like, oh, action movie, you know, and you don't actually think about it until you go back and wait, go, wait, did he just, like, kill all those people? Right? Like, it sort of feels like a bunch of people die and, like, uh, well, certainly the Blade movies. I feel like some people die in X-Men, various X-Men movies. Mm, yeah. I mean, definitely Wolverine's, like, stabbing people, whether sure. they're dead or not, right? But, like, in X2, when they, like, raid the mansion, he's just, you know, stabbing the soldiers left and right. And I guess we don't know that Iron Man killed all those people. They could have just knocked him out. Yeah, a lot of them were just, you know, I mean, it's like they were flung pretty far and hard, but not that much harder than he flung himself in his own garage. So there was the she- the scene where he kind of targets everyone. I guess I assumed he shot them in the head. Maybe that was a bad assumption on my part, but no, could have been set to stun. Okay, yeah. that- <laughs> sedative darts. <laughs> the, the tank he blows what up one scene later. The, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I felt like the, the tank was like okay. The those Soviet people. Are tank. <laughs> it was a drone. A drone tank. tank. <laughs> that was that that. Was a, a hologram that explosion you saw? Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was an unrelated explosion. It just happened to happen at the same time. Yeah. Now, when he's escaping from the cave, isn't he like oh, killing people? Oh like, yeah, burning he, them. He to sets death? everything uh, on fire. Yeah. There's an explosion yeah. you can see yeah. from he's space. Like, My turn, and then he just lights like thirty people on fire. <laughs> Yeah. All the while getting racked by just the highest caliber rounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the inaugural flight is this huge explosion. And he's like getting away from it. What? <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah, they wow. were just. What was the plan for saving Jensen in that situation? Because theoretically, he was planning on getting both of them out of there. Like, he was just going to hug him real tight, fly 2,000 <laughs> no, feet into the air, I and thought, drop him? No. Or. I thought what was supposed to happen was. Jensen was supposed to stay back in the cave while he took care of everybody and cleared, you know, the and way. Gross. Okay, took care of. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was yeah. that was what I picked up from it. I oh. I thought I it thought was a bad Tony, plan, but <laughs> I thought Tony was much more nefarious. I really thought he was just going to leave him behind. <laughs> oh, jeez! Wow. Like seriously, <laughs> like straight up. Like I was like, this guy's dead. <laughs> There's zero chance he survives. 
Thanks for the heart. (laughs) During the death scene, he was just feigning interest in his whole plight. Like this was this was planned from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, just stares cold at him in the face for the light to leave his eyes. Just puts his hand on his face and keeps on trying to wipe his eyes down. (laughs) Good night. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Then callously covers his eyelids. I want this. I really want to <laughs> Me too. I you want, want to. Yeah. You Wait. want murder Tony Stark? Like murderous Tony Stark? Like literal? I mean, I want more if Tony watches movies and tells us his opinions of them, but <laughs> that's what I want. Anytime we, he watches a movie, he has like a completely different take from anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. You meant Tony Hoff. Yeah, sorry, Tony. Stark. I want to know Stark watches movies. Stark on film, yep. That would be kind of cool. Let's see intermission. Uh, so we haven't talked about, what about Jeff Bridges as a villain? Is he in this? I thought it was Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was uh, Alex Baldwin. Wait, that was Jeff Bridges? I thought that was Jeff Daniels. See that? At least they have the same first name. <laughs> I can see that. You know, Charlie, you can just mock me or you can just agree that I'm right. <laughs> okay, so you who was it that said that they didn't know that did anyone genuinely not know that he was the villain? I did not. Okay. Like the Wait. first time you saw it? Yeah, that's the question. Okay. This is literally the first time I'm watching it. Yeah. I right, like I'm asking know. Charlie. Yeah. Like Charlie's oh. being all high and mighty, like, oh, I knew he was the villain the whole time. The only reason I suspected, I think even the first time, was that his name was Obadiah Stain. <laughs> that is that suspect. The... I mean, oh. what's he thinking with that name being a good guy? You know? uh, the movie does a little, you know, a little thing at the beginning where he, they're showing him in the pictures and they're showing him being shoved into the background as Tony right. takes over the company. Uh, but that's a little bit more subtle than just, I think, the name Obadiah Stain. There's also, uh, like, in the opening, like, terrorist video part, if you speak, I think it's Pashtun, you actually know the twist at the end. Oh, do you? Yeah, I did ah. I did wonder that if, like, native speakers of those languages were like, oh, well, when are they going to get to this? Because we've known this for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was a twist? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, everyone caught up. <laughs> yeah. No, I... I thought they did a good job of presenting it like for the first time. I was like, I wasn't like floored, like wasn't like twist of the century, but I remember I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I, now we've got a movie. Does Jeff like, Bridges play a lot of villains? I don't think so. I can't. No. Reason- Tron 2, he was the bad guy and the good guy at the same time, if I remember correctly. I mean, yes, but. No, no, no. CGI Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, that that's guy. younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, these days it's mostly cowboys. And I guess he's got a Super Bowl commercial coming up where he's the dude oh, again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mostly cowboy right, but I wondered, But I wondered if that was like meant to partly lead us to not thinking he was a villain is that Jeff Bridges typically doesn't play so villain here's characters. A, what I'll say is that I've, other than the name and... The way that that little presentation went, like I actually bought him as not being the villain. 
what I think like, helped looking a at it this time. Already knowing they had uh, I don't know what the guy's name is. Terroristy Mick uh, fiddles with his ring all the damn time. Like they had <laughs> Ferran, a plausible. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Trek's Ferran to here. They had a plausible alternate villain, like maybe that's the bad guy. Like, if, if you're just watching it for the first time, if you hadn't seen a single trailer, which makes it extraordinarily clear that Jeff Bridges is the bad guy, hmm. like, there there was someone else that, like, narratively you could focus on without thinking it's the, you know, Mr. Grand Vizier character. And it's just, it's very subtle, but for, like, comic book fans, right, the fact that his terrorist organization is called the Ten Rings... Which is supposed to make you think of the Iron Man villain Mandarin sure. who wears rings. So you can see how comic book people who hadn't seen the trailer might make that connection. Oh, that's And then funny. for everyone else, it's just like, oh, well, he's the leader of the terrorists. So of course he's the villain. If you watch the the graphics at the end over the credits, you see the ten rings turn into like a Gatling gun. So that's actually mm-hmm. what I thought it was. I didn't realize it was, you know, had any lore associated with it. I thought it was just like, oh, it's supposed to look like a gun. Yeah, it's just the problem with Mandarin as a character is that he's kind of real racist, which is why <laughs> Iron Man is going to go in a different direction. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mandarin in the comics is basically Fu Manchu, so who is a racist old time character. Mm-hmm. How about Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> yeah, that, she looked like Shallow Hal. She looked like Shallow Hal? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she did in Shallow Hell, or she looked like Jack Black did. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't know who it was for a while, and then I turned to Paul and said, "Oh, that's Gwyneth Paltrow." He's like, "Yeah," I'm like, "Oh, she looks like Shallow Hell." <laughs> Paul, Paul was really confused. I don't care for Gwyneth Paltrow as a human being is really all I have to contribute to this conversation, but I'm, she did she did an okay job, you know? I don't oh, think she quite... Is she a bad person? She's got you, that... You didn't buy one of those... Or the did Goop you, website? Did you buy yeah. one of those jade eggs and it didn't why, work out? Why, <laughs> why aren't my stickers rebalancing my body energy? Like, I was promised things and it's just not working out. Uh, you gotta get the activated charcoal. Yeah. You gotta make sure it's activated, though. Ever since I've started coffee enemas, my life has totally changed. <laughs> that I'll believe. <laughs> it has absolutely changed. Now, now, it's you use different now. Food? I mean, like, is this supposed to be cold brew? Like, because like, I gotta imagine McDonald's coffee is gonna cause some problems. Mm. It's it's McDonald's coffee that you let sit in your car until it's. Uh, reached body temperature. This is the kind oh. of I signed on to this podcast for. <laughs> <laughs> the movie I'd seen Gwyneth Paltrow in prior to this movie was actually Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, oh where, no. Where, where she is horrifically <laughs> bad in that movie. Well, actually, that movie in general. All True. But I remember even at the time going, Gwyneth Paltrow was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and to, so I thought she just couldn't act, and was therefore mm-hmm. quite surprised to find out in Iron Man that like, oh, she actually can act. She apparently just can't act when there's nothing around her but green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's the Sky Captain gimmick. Because everything was CG. For me, with her, like with Gwyneth Paltrow in general, like I don't know if it was necessarily her and what she wanted from like the role, but 
what sucked most about her is she felt really like a replaceable actress. Like I didn't think it would have been hard to recast her with someone even unknown. And then it was like, like Don Cheadle. <laughs> yes. Everyone was saying it's, it's either Gwyneth Paltrow or Don Cheadle, and they went with her. And I'm like, what? But anyway, so so like down the line, obviously, not to get too far ahead, because I know you guys have to cover all these movies. But like, you know, down the line, it like they had to write it into the story that Tony and and Pepper were having trouble or whatever to basically have Gwyneth Paltrow not be in movies, and it just kind of muddled the storyline unnecessarily so mm. that that's my only take is it's like i didn't think she did a bad job it was just if you know she was already a very high profile actress which probably helped with the success of the movie so it's kind of a double-edged sword i guess true but it's not handled as poorly as natalie portman's character in the thor movies no no <laughs> i agree with that Lord, that's yeah, yeah at least gwyneth paltrow has shown up occasionally and, and like she yeah i agree it's Natalie Portman in the Thor movies is just all wrong. Every yeah, bad. We get to look forward to those as well. (laughs) (laughs) And I I thought she did fine. It reportedly had, she had a little bit of trouble keeping up with the, the improvisation, I guess, or didn't quite know how to respond to it because it wasn't in the script and had maybe prepared with the script and was like, I don't know how to respond to what Robert Downey Jr. is saying to me now. And I actually thought that worked a lot of the time. Where she seemed a little bit flustered with what he had to say. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, She yeah. does have the worst line read in the movie, I think. Tony Stark sends her to grab a bunch of files off his computer or something like that. And uh, while doing that, she has to say, I think the line is, what are you up to, Obadiah? And there's like, <laughs> I mean, there's no good way to sell that line, but she, she, doesn't, she doesn't find a good way either. So, <laughs> I mean, the script could have just replaced that with, Hmm. Dead silence, really. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Can we talk about the naming of Ultra Secret Files? (laughs) Yeah, why would you just automatically assume that was the porn directory? (laughs) (laughs) That was where the video was in, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think so. So I guess that's the snuff film. Mm. (laughs) Ultra Secret. No one will look there. It says keep out, so I guess I'd better. <laughs> and then he like gets onto the computer and is like really upset. Does the full like head like rub and like all right, time to get her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I so couldn't understand that. She, she knows too much. She's yeah. seen my porn like, folder. <laughs> like there's this the really it's like this really tense scene with those two. Like, you know, he walks in and she's on the computer and she's trying to hide what she's doing. And, like, at that point, like, why does he wait so long to, like, why wouldn't he just confront her since he's, like, dancing around it? Like, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? He obviously suspects she's doing something. Like, Well, well, he needs confirmation. He doesn't want to be canceled. Right, but why is she sitting at why is she sitting at a computer that has its screensaver up like she's working? <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. It's like she turned on the screensaver and it's like, oh no, couldn't be hiding anything here, doing normal things, nothing to worry about, Obadiah, no big deal. And it's because like, she likes looking at the fast cars. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, she she pulled up the screensaver because she had Windows Solitaire on behind it. 
she didn't eject the USB properly either. We, we don't know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Those files are gone. <laughs> Corrupted. He gets it back to Tony and it's just <laughs> files corrupt blank. <laughs> the end. Now that's a movie. To <laughs> <laughs> be fair, we don't know what OS that was, right? Yeah. Like, it was definitely not Windows, though. Yeah, it was kind of like a Mac, but not quite. Yeah, Yeah, it was. it was like, you know. I think it had Netscape Communicator on it. I'm not sure. <laughs> wow. Could have been Stark Industries custom made OS. Oh, yeah. Some proprietary. Yeah. I don't know. It looked like someone on the, you know, whoever, someone on the crew was like, I have this uh, unpopular Linux distro that I think we can use for this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Very few people will recognize it. <laughs> Clark Gregg. I like Clark Gregg. Clark He's Agent Gregg. Coulson. Oh, which I guess wasn't going to be as big of a role as they expected, right? Right. It did bother me that he kept staying the strategic homeland. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Like something that's clearly been like manhandled to spell out the word shield, but they refused to say shield until the end. And like nobody picked up on that. Like if they if somehow accidentally it came together to spell shield, no one had like looked at it once and been like, oh, hey. All of those letters spell shield. We should just go by shield. So my <laughs> head canon is that Agent Coulson is just f***ing around with Pepper Potts for his own amusement. That's, yeah, I like that. That would be better. He's just like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to tell May about it later. <laughs> so so you're saying that as he's attempting to set up a meeting with her boss and failing miserably at it, he stays the course and continues just messing around with her. <laughs> You're not you're not gonna commit to it all the way through. That's right. You commit to, commit the, to bit. the bit. Yes. Can't break character. That's right. That's all I do. All right. Tell us about but, the suits, Charlie. Oh, so uh, what did everybody think about the different Iron Man suits? Well, at least what I thought was the most impressive suit was the first one that he made in uh, in Afghanistan in the cave. Like as far as what looked realistic and what looked impressive visually, I think that was the standout out of all of them. I mean, I guess for me, what I found most impressive was how closely they resembled the comic book versions. So that yeah. so that original Iron Man suit looks a lot like the original original Iron Man suit. And then like the, the redesigned version that he makes later, right? Obviously, it looks like a modern comic Iron Man suit because they actually got a comic book artist to design the suit for them. I think actually an Iron Man comic book artist. That was one thing I remember noticing about the first suit, and I haven't even like I had seen so little of Iron Man in the comics, but that first suit he made was what I thought of as Iron Man before the movies came along. The so they nailed one. it. I love the practical effects on the, the very first suit. The first movie was better than all future movies that we're pretending don't exist yet. But <laughs> back when Robert Downey Jr. couldn't demand that, hey, I'm not going to wear... 40 pounds of plastic on any given day like they had to they had to make it look realistic without all the cgi and especially with the very first suit i think they did an excellent job and the scene where he comes out of the cave and is shooting the flamethrowers and stuff was that all practical i didn't really notice a lot of cg there i know some of the fire in any given scene was probably fake probably the suit itself was largely practical Yeah. yeah I believe actually a lot of the flame is practical. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, 
it's been a while since I watched the special features on the Blu-ray, but I seem to recall them saying that, like, yeah, like, maybe not all the flame, but some of it was, like, practical flame. I seem to recall, like, they actually set one of the terrorists on fire, like, it was a stunt guy. They burned a few people to death just for the sake of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) There is similitude. (laughs) So, I was going to ask about something, because I thought about it as soon as I was watching, like, the ending sequence... Jeff Bridges finally has the power for his suit and he's presumably got the power for the first time in it and he's like a champ at controlling that suit and using all the weapons and like flying around in it didn't he like not have the ability to like practice any of that stuff before then like without sustainable power to it so like anybody else noticed that that it was like no, yeah. he was just really amazing i mean well, he's yeah, a natural he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's star man <laughs> jeff was pretty fit for this one like this is peak bridges <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. looking good if he can summon Shoeless Joe Jackson out of a cornfield, he can, you know, fly a big iron suit. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Did I hear Charlie complain? For... <laughs> for some reason, I thought James Earl Jones before I thought Kevin Costner. <laughs> which one's Kevin Costner and which one's James Earl Jones? <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> I guess that's not something I had actually thought about, but I don't know how much it bothers me. He was involved in the development of the suit, at least. I think it's pretty yeah, convenient yeah. that the the chess piece that he ripped out of Tony's heart plugged in perfectly. Like, yeah. you know, no no testing on that. Just everything worked perfectly after that. Yeah, no kinks to work out at all. Like, no well, adjustments. He, te- he tested it. With a big cable leading from the main arc reactor. All he had to do was plug in the mini arc reactor. Okay. He just had the wrong form factor and got the and did all his training in the basement there. (laughs) Now if I could just lure Iron Man within fifty feet of this gigantic arc (laughs) reactor. I'll have him. I haven't watched the deleted scenes yet, so please, you know. I was actually upset that they had to establish uh, Iron Man like practicing. I I turned to Paul and I said, "Man, I really like the the Iron Man's where he's just very confident in his abilities." <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't. This this is breaking the illusion. <laughs> well, he's he's science Iron Man. I like that. He's engineer he's Iron Man. engineer Iron Man. Yes, yeah, more more like it. He's figuring it out. He's developing it all himself. He's like Reed Richards, except I like this more. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not just like how did he do that all himself i'm like i get to see how he did all that himself yeah i do like the way they take the time to sort of establish like like it's not just like oh hey i had the idea to be iron man and now i'm iron man and isn't it great like they actually take the time to actually show like the progression like i actually really like that sorry tony no i agree oh, i was just joking i was, I was there's a bit <laughs> <laughs> what i can't believe it we don't actually see the final Iron Man suit until, what, like halfway, two-thirds of the way through the movie? Whenever he has him do the render, right? Like, that's about the closest. Before he goes to the party, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, so they kind of hold it back for a while, too. Yeah. yeah. No, I like the, the slow burn, the build-up to actually, you know, seeing it. And I also like that it's 
actually fairly small stakes ultimately, right? It's just like two dudes in big iron suits fighting each other, right? Like it's not the fate of the universe and or you know like we're going to destroy an entire city if you fail or right, planet. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, it's kind of status quo if Iron Man loses, right? I mean, yeah, the world's well, still horrible, but war in yeah. Afghanistan if he loses. Yeah, you're and right. If he wins. <laughs> <laughs> It really reminded me of what real steel should have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, I thought Hugh Jackman was the star of this one. <laughs> Second Australian. I always get Hugh Jackman and Hugh Grant mixed up. <laughs> Which one was House? Huge now, Ackman. Now Hugh Grant was the guy who was in Charade, right? In North by Northwest. Wait, no, I think he. Oh. I think he was in The Princess Bride. Oh, oh right, right, right. I'm so lost now. <laughs> <laughs> we can reconstruct just, this in uh, editing. Let's Adam. just talk about <laughs> it'll make Chico, sense, please. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard someone, can we please get back and talk about Don Cheadle? <laughs> and stop playing the first name, last name actor games. <laughs> Aren't we going to talk about the uh, geopolitical content of the movie? <laughs> you know, Tony Stark is an arms dealer and he's he's like, I'm not going to be an arms dealer anymore. And people are all like, arms dealing is bad and you're still dealing arms. You're a bad person and that kind of stuff. We can absolutely talk yeah, about that. Yeah. Talk about Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things about the movie is it frames two arms dealers as the main verses in it. That's what I originally thought before rewatching it again. But then, I mean, the whole quitting it is interesting as well. But it's very interesting, too, to think about, like, kind of like the adjustment from the Bush era to the Obama era in terms of, like, the war on terror where you kind of shift from this like over very um, boots, boots on, the, on ground. the ground transition to kind of like this drone um, smart weaponry. And you can kind of see this like this almost like prediction in the film that I, I it was it was kind of a uh, very thought forward of the they kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what happened after that. It was really weird to see. Tony Stark, yeah, decide not to be an arms dealer, and the way that he was going to do that was to make a super powerful weapon. I mean, Jeff Bridges is not mistaken in describing the irony of what he did. I'm like, I, I just kind of assumed that he would have gone and d- just made something else completely different. I mean, that's true, but you know, jumping ahead to some of the later movies, and one of the nice things about future movies is that they will actually sort of double down on that, as then that's Tony Stark's worldview is not like we should get rid of all weapons, but rather like I'm the only one basically who should have control of this. Right. Yeah. Right? Cause that's and what it felt we'll like. See that yeah. down the line and then it'll backfire a bit and then some, you know, stuff happens. But <laughs> I actually thought it was just interesting about how like Tony Stark doesn't think about the possibility of weapons getting into like enemy hands, whether that's, you know, via dirty dealing or just, you know, capturing them or something until he's directly affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. Right. Oh. It was like the shock of his life when he saw his, you know, Stark Industries logo on some crates and 
you know, like a terrorist no, camp. Not just the crates, but the bomb that explodes in front of him. Well, putting right, shrapnel right. into his chest and stuff. Yeah, right. It, but he's really lucky that they didn't sell quality weapons like like Stark Industries <laughs> doesn't make good weapons. They make bombs that explode 15 feet away from you. And, you know, it doesn't even kill you. It's probably more like six feet. Jeez. Yeah, it was it was pretty close. Charlie, I think we need you to do the math on this one. <laughs> how how far away how would a far, bomb need to explode? How far away? Like, what's the explosive force? Give the distance from right. the bomb that Tony is. As I know part that's of your research, too, happy. you need to catch up on that Tony Stark bomb meme from, like, what, when was that? Big. Last year. Wait, what? What is from that? Oh, scene, it became, the internet to us. It became a meme format of that scene, like you know, a few frames of it, you know, but just slap whatever your text instead of Stark Industries. Oh, okay, okay, no. yeah, on the bomb. All right. I don't know. The internet moves fast. It feels like it was like two years ago, but it was probably like eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> the only time that the weapons were bad was when they were in the like the Afghan terrorist hands. So it was kind of a kind of like that was the only time that arms dealing can possibly go wrong is when they get taken by the bad people. And All not right. That, yep. Like there's any kind of problem with dealing arms to just every military well, well, we're keep we're keeping uh, America safe. That's Tony Stark's whole goal. Whereas, whereas Obadiah Stane is just trying to make money, so he's selling to both sides. Like I said, his only real crime was capitalism. <laughs> That's what I meant by it. So, no crimes of any sort whatsoever. <laughs> All's fair in love and capitalism. <laughs> So ultimately, what did you think of uh, Iron Man? Would you help rescue it from the caves in Afghanistan, or would you leave it to die among all the grain bags? Like it desires. <laughs> like it wants. I guess <laughs> Guess I'm asking how many arc reactors out of 10 would you give this ah, movie? Good. I think Marvel really took what they had. They they. They built this universe in a cave with a box of scraps, and they just did a a really fantastic thing with Iron Man. If I think even if it were released today, it's a solid like eight out of ten at the time, probably a nine out of ten. So is that an eight or a nine? Uh, so uh, we'll say eight and a half. Can I do? Can I do halves? <laughs> is that yes? Absolutely. Is that illegal? Okay, we'll go eight and a half. Legal. All right. Yeah, I mean Jeff Bridges, Robert Downey Jr. kind of both killed it. Uh, looked. Looked good. And uh, yeah, I would give it seven big donut reactors and one um, small arc reactor, <laughs> which would be a half. So seven and a half. <laughs> Someone's familiar with the format. <laughs> we have to describe what the half is. <laughs> um, I mean... I was go- I was hoping you would go with extrajudicial killings. <laughs> but every time I do something like that, you guys complain horribly. You're like, oh well, it's zero because that's never justified. <laughs> <laughs> but but since we're going with the arc reactors, I think we're gonna have to go with the the, the half scale opens up. Um, I'm gonna go nine and a half. Oh, like. Like, at the time and now, this movie just hits every note perfectly. So like, it's, it's just about 
perfect. Maybe my only complaint is, is like you said, you know, the end of the movie, the stakes are a little bit low. It's just two robots punching each other, basically. So for you, this is on par with X2. Yes. Okay. A triumph. For a person who doesn't watch a lot of movies and uh, has very short attention span um, and looked at it and seen, oh my goodness, it's going to be two hours. I mean, obviously that's like <laughs> normal. That's short these days. Yeah. But I, I, that's all, what's wrong with movies today. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was never bored. Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought that they did a great job of developing the story, developing the characters. You know, great action, and um, actually, I really like the cast, too. I thought, you know, Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow uh, did a great job. So I'm going to give this one a nine. I like the Iron Man character because I had seen the Avengers, so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into with Iron Man. And so um, I just thought it delivered. Like, I had a pretty high expectation, and I feel like it, it came through. So nine. All right. You know, I I thought that, you know, obviously came in with high expectations and I had seen it before. But uh, I think that, you know, yeah, I have to agree with Tony and that it, you know, kept my interest through the whole movie. I didn't really think there wasn't really any of like kind of the classic kind of cringeworthy moments that I've come to expect from these uh, movies. Which was, <laughs> I almost missed it, but it was a good experience. <laughs> I like really enjoyed the humor aspect and, it, you know, and that the humor also fit, you know, it had a natural flow. There weren't any stark tonal shifts or anything like that. So I think I'm going to go with 8.5, my first ever 8.5 wow. donut reactors, mm-hmm. because it just doesn't quite make it to men in black levels for me, but all, overall a great movie. I mean, you say that, but I feel like there definitely is a big stark change. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> Good development. I'll allow it. <laughs> so, kind of want to preface this by saying I wish I would have made my first appearance on this podcast like <laughs> Spider-Man 3 or something because I'm I'm way more in my element when I'm like mocking and making fun of something and that would have really, you know, <laughs> opened it up. But for Iron Man, I can't lie, like there are th- little things I might have done differently if I were making the movie, but I I love it. I mean, I, I got to say 9 arc reactors out of 10. It's just it's exactly what Marvel needed to get the ball rolling. So what I remember from the first time I saw this was just being I think kind of like Adam, very impressed. Like it was a lot better than I expected that it was going to be. And I remember it being extremely funny. And this time around, I noticed how well made of a movie it is. John Favreau is, I mean, if you see his other stuff, I don't mean this like as a put down or like euphemistically. He's just a very competent director. Like everything here is just where it needs to be. And script wise, like if you look at like the beats of the story, or there's not a lot of extraneous stuff that's going on like there's the part where pepper potts takes out his heart and he says to throw it away and and she doesn't throw it away and then she puts it in the trophy and then it comes up later and it's not simply just to have that be like oh that's cute like he actually uses that heart later and it shows up at the right time and that sort of stuff happens throughout the entire movie it just feels like a pretty tight movie from start to finish even though 
if there's all this improv going on on top of it, which makes it feel pretty loose, it it kind of has it both ways. And I'm looking forward to the re-rate, <laughs> which I think is imminent, that uh, where we get to go back and maybe reevaluate some of the movies we've already watched. Yeah, I already did that last episode. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm. You did that a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to do it right now because I don't want to waste everyone's time. But I'm going to say I give this a nine arc Whoa, reactors out of 10, which is my highest score. It's my <laughs> highest rating so far. <laughs> a perfect movie for Charlie. But I don't know if nine it's better. Nine. I don't know if it's better than <laughs> Men in Black, but I might have to raise my Men in Black score and to raise it up to this. I, I was laughing this time watching it again at the beats that I knew were already going to happen. Like when he when he's practicing flying and shoots himself backwards into the wall. Like I thought that was great. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't think you say anything that any of us disagree with. Really? It's really well made. The plot beats make sense. The flow is good. Like there's no real part where like it drags or sags or any other ag rhyming <laughs> word. Yeah. On some level though, this is, this was a low, uh, like it was a high stakes movie for Marvel, but it just in terms of like the general world, it's pretty low key, like low stakes. Like people weren't expecting a lot from this movie. One of the things I always kind of find vaguely interesting is the sort of like fake names that movies will film under. So like uh, Return of the Jedi is famously was called Blue Harvest so that they wouldn't get char- charged exorbitant rates and things like that because, oh, you're making Star Wars. Whereas for this movie, it's just called Iron Man on like the clapper boards and stuff because that's how much no one cared. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're making Iron Man? Fine. Go whatever. Here's the film stock or whatever they're using at that point. And then this is a movie that far exceeds, I think, really anyone's expectations. Um, The only things that sort of bothered me this time were um, I hadn't really noticed the extrajudicial killings until watching this time and then went, huh, does Iron Man really kill people? And then kind of Googled it. And basically the answer was only in the MCU. (laughs) (laughs) There was like top 10 times Iron Man has killed someone and half of them were from the movies. <laughs> half of them were that one scene <laughs> with the <Yeah>. flamethrowers. <laughs> and then the other half were like reasons when it wasn't like Iron, like it's not Tony Stark's fault, like stuff like that. So it was like, mm, OK, so that bothered me a little bit. And then the the sort of slightly gross plane scene that tony mentioned earlier right was like oh hmm. like it works in the movie because tony's meant to be sort of sleazy at this point but it still has that slight mm, feel to it so that's what's stopping me from just giving it like 10 out of 10 so i'm just going to drop it down a little bit to 9.5 arc reactors out of 10 so for me this is on par with spider-man 2 all right so Thanks, everyone, for joining us on installment number 26 of our Mary Marvel Movie March. Next time, we jump forward a whole month to June 2008 (laughs) for the second MCU movie, technically, The Incredible Hulk. So thanks to our regular guests, uh, Paul Wilcox. It was a good time. Doug Gobeski. Fun as always. Our semi-regular correspondent, Tony Huff. Thank you very much. And then our new guests, Brandon Griffiths. Thanks for having me on. Hope to come on again. Wes Richardson. Thanks for having me. And Kevin Federline. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You've been wondering what he's up to. He's been pointing up on his uh, Marvel history. This is the beginning of my comeback. (laughs) It all starts here. (laughs) So I hope to have you back 
next time participating and or listening, depending on what side of the fence you fall on slash want to fall on. Until that time, I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. Thanks again. And make yours Marvel. I don't know. Stanley's in this oh. movie, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Can't believe we've never had a... Uh, Paul B. K-Fed, speaking of making Paul B. celebrities. I forgot the K-Fed yeah. existed. <laughs> hey everyone, thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website at GobeskiWallsReport.com Hey everybody, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at GW Report and like our page on Facebook, the Gobeski Wallace Report. And hey everybody, tune in to next episode where there's sure to be tons more hilarity that we know you'll enjoy. Hey everybody. So, so the guy in the cave, what was his name? Jensen? Jensen. Jensen, yes. He was a surgeon, right? Yeah, something like that. He was a doctor, at least. he was into helping with a bunch of technical stuff, right? Yeah. He's Dr. Leonard McCoy from Star Trek VI. <coughs> okay. <All> no! Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that Adam's head was exploding and that he was going to soon respond, but... thought I was going to get a response from him. <laughs> Is he dead? He's buying a plane ticket so he can throttle you in person. <laughs> Adam? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I was nervous. A dad like Tony Stark in your alternate Iron Man movie. <laughs> if you guys ever get a chance, I don't want to go off on some weird topic here, but Terrence Howard, like, I like saw some Reddit post about him a while back. And apparently he's a bit of an odd guy. Like he thinks he's really, really smart. Like arguing with his college professors about like zero plus zero equaling one. Oh, things like uh, that. Like and like angrily and adamantly arguing with them. Things like that. But yeah, just apparently a really weird guy. Like to army hammer levels. <laughs> <laughs> army hammers just yeah. He's just clueless. That's that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, different, different uh, plane. I think that's the word I want to use. Wait, he's not a flat earther, is he? Not that kind of plane, right? I, I I can't I cannot say I don't know for sure. That would take some some deep diving on uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Everyone was for like six months last year. <laughs> wow, and like apparently before like the fourteen hundreds, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Charlie, we might have to link to this teriology stuff in the blog. Oh, okay. <laughs> one times one equals two. Oh, that's Ooh. what it was. So, yeah. Too much time cube. <laughs> <laughs>